This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiaoik. This is Because Feelings Matter, a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. This segment may be a difficult topic for some listeners. If you need to talk about your emotional and mental health issues, do look for local support within your community or call helplines like Talian Hill at 15555, Miasa's 24-hour helpline at 1-800-8200-66 or befriend us KL at 03-7627-2929. Hi everyone, my name is Izai. I'm this year 31 years old and I'm a registered clinical psychologist and currently also having my own startup, Minda Inclusive, where I'm working a lot on neurodiversity awareness, especially on ADHD. Since I was myself a person that has been diagnosed with ADHD uh, in 2021 and I have lived with it. I think for the whole of my life and just knowing that I have ADHD is actually something very big. It actually made me feel like a whole lot of puzzle that I had in life was coming together. In person, Izzat is as bubbly as she sounds. She met me at the BFM studio, armed with pages of notes and reflections. She made sure she had a tube of lipstick in her hand so that she would have something to fidget with during our conversation. She seemed like someone who was well aware of her needs and habits as someone with ADHD and what she had to do to manage them. A lot of these characteristics only became challenges as she grew older. As a child, however, none of it mattered. An interesting fact about me is I was born uh, in Edinburgh, in Scotland, and I have been living a lot in different countries throughout my life. So when I was uh, in primary school, our family moved to Maldives for two years. And uh, when I was in university, I have did an exchange study. So I've lived in Turkey. And then in my adulthood, I've been living in Taiwan for a year. So I've been like... Since I was young, I was exposed to a lot of different culture, and so is my family. And I feel like our family is not the typical family. Uh, my parents were so supportive or encouraging for the kids to just go out and play when we were a child. You know, during childhood, we had, I remember a lot of play. Especially when I was living in Maldives, um, we live in a small island, not the not Mali, the capital. We live at a, an island um, beside Mali, and my whole childhood there was actually just running around, swimming, jumping from the jetty, you know. And then we just jumped off and swim with friends. We played climbing trees. So I was really having a healthy and very active lifestyle. Izzat's penchant for sports and games was celebrated and encouraged. In school, she participated in track and field, netball, basketball, futsal and taekwondo. And when taekwondo proved to be too boring for her, she did silat. 
Her father was an avid mountain climber who often brought the family for outdoor activities. Her mother didn't pressure her to do well academically, but instilled in her the belief that she didn't have to settle for less than what she was capable of. Even as a child, Izat's non-typical behaviours were apparent, but she found ways to manage them and she was able to thrive in a supportive school. I believe uh, my friends actually used a lot of the word weird on me. Uh, My teacher called me unique, but I know I am one because uh, even in school, I talk more about high school because I was um, in a boarding school and I felt like so restricted living in a boarding school that I actually asked the PKM if I could bring bicycles, if I could bring rollerblades to school so that I can just have fun and play. Because I like, I like being active. I like playing. I like being stimulated. Um, and at the same time, I think a problem in school was that I, I'm a chronic sleeper. So even to the point that I remember I would, if you can imagine the laboratory table, I sleep to the point that I would actually, if, if the teacher is, you know, showing something on the screen, I would just stay under the table and sleep. <laughs> so it wasn't just typical sleeping. I was actually sleeping comfortably in class. And it was beyond your control? It felt that it was beyond my control mm. because I, I took care of my sleep. One of the things that my family highlighted since we were young is to sleep early. And I kept that uh, my whole life. Like I made sure I get enough sleep. But the thing is, even if I sleep early in a class, I will still fall asleep. When I was doing my prep time, I was still falling asleep. So I'm like, I don't know why I like sleeping so much. But at time at other times, I was like this so active yeah. person, you know. But yeah, I had a hard time actually staying awake in class. But I like learning. I like learning so much. So at school, though it's hard to stay awake, um, I had my own way of learning. And one of the ways I would offer to teach my friends certain things that I don't know. So if I don't know it, and it's hard for me to sit and read and study on my own, I would actually ask my friend, like, hey, do you want to know about this? And if my friend wants to know, then and if I don't understand, I'll go directly to the teacher and ask the teacher personally. Like, teacher, can you teach me? I don't understand this. And then I would teach my friend. So teaching people is actually a way of me motivating myself to find ways, however I can, to study. And I think with me... I wasn't someone who's who's shy, so uh, I'm also not afraid of uh, making mistakes. So whenever the teacher asked uh, the students to answer questions, I was that student who answer a lot, even though I I would answer wrong. But I like it because the teacher would like actually focus on me and make sure I understand. So I think. The way I study, the way I behave at school, it's not typical. Mm-hmm. Friends would call me like, oh, this girl, uh, she's crazy. Uh. During during trial exam, um, one of my friends said, during trial exam, I was there going to the study room and asking people like, hey, anyone wants to play rollerblade with me? <laughs> my friend was like, everybody else is studying, but I'm just there like, nope, I can't study anymore. I just want to go out and play. 
But it's one thing to fall asleep in school. It was quite another when she went to university. I The first day, the first class, I was sitting in front because I like to sit in front so that I can engage more in class. But I was sleeping in class and the lecturer came to my table and just hit the table. And she said to the whole class, if you want to come to class and sleep, might as well just stay in your room. And I felt so ashamed of that. So the next class, I stayed in the back because I was scared if I might fall asleep again. Even at the back, it was, it was worse because I was at the back. I fell asleep. I had that problem all the time. I, I tried to maintain my focus, stay alert in class, but I mostly I end up uh, dozing off, you know. I don't like that part because I wanted to learn, but I just felt like a bit hard lah. Other challenges became more pronounced as well in university. I think the challenge in university was not with study. I got told off by a friend because I actually like to uh, disturb my friend in class. Uh, I remember a friend was like quite annoyed with me when I usually doodle in class. So I don't know, for some reason, I don't like doodling in my own notebook. I was doodling in my friend's notebook <laughs> and asking her to engage in conversation with me, talking with, to her, right? And she was, she was just there telling me, Izzat, I know even if you can't focus in class, you can answer the exam, but I need to work hard. And I'm like, okay, I was taken aback by that. So then I know I do a lot of that in class, like disturbing my friend, asking them to talk with me, but it wasn't something good for them. For me, it was just so that I don't fall asleep in class. That's why I do that. But um, in university, I think life was... I am again a very active student. I was joining this organisation. I was I was being part of the sports team in university. So in terms of time management, basically it was already structured out for me. I don't have the time to procrastinate. If I have the time, I think I would like struggle as well to just keep myself productive. But because it was sorted out for me, then I don't have a choice but to make sure I finish things that I need to finish. When Izzat graduated from university and began working life, the structured routines melted away. And that was when she began to struggle much more. When I started going to work, I had to structure myself. And I ended up becoming a super workaholic person. I could work from morning till night just to finish work. And I think on top of that, it was... Back then, I didn't know I had ADHD, but I always knew I was someone easily distracted. So I know when I do some work, I would end up being distracted and then I had to get back to the work and get distracted again, you know. It's the same cycle. So I think I took longer time to work. And then I feel like... For me, when I started working, my life was revolved around work. Work is... I, I know for everyone, like work is never ending. But for me, I'm like, why do I take so much time to do my work? And 
I couldn't keep up with the deadlines. You know, I submitted some work late. Although I was working from day to night. So I don't understand that part. But I think it caused me to become burnt out at a faster rate. Like I was burning myself out faster. But still not doing an outstanding job at work with that amount of uh, time that I put. So that was, I think, tough. And although I still get by, but I remember falling easily towards depression because I feel like what, no matter how hard I try, I would still fall behind. And, you know, I used to be this person who's achieving and suddenly I'm not. Although I was like putting so much effort into something. Izzat would spend 16 to 17 hours working and sleep only 3 to 4 hours a day, which was taking a toll on her physically and mentally. My mother actually said this. She said, I work really, really hard. Um, And my supervisor at the hospital tells the same thing about me. She said, like, I can see you working, like, really hard. But for the amount of work that I give, the outcome wasn't that great. The outcome is good. But uh, I remember my supervisor uh, at the hospital, she, when she knew I had ADHD, and I was telling all my struggle, and I was asking for uh, some accommodation to give me some time to finish my report. Uh, she told me, like, if another person works as hard as you, they'll be arriving at a place higher than you. And I think that was, weirdly, it was very comforting because I feel like all this while, whenever I had, like, um, some struggle, especially with my emotion. I haven't talked about my emotion, but my emotion feels like a huge wall in front of me. Like if I was feeling very overwhelmed, very my I felt emotions very big and they can be very intense. And I actually get stuck in that emotion until, you know, I attend those emotions. I let those emotions, I call it, become tame again. That's when I could do other things. If not, my mind is is just not on the work. So um, with the challenges of emotions coming in, you know, in life you had all these bumps that you, you're going through. Having big emotion and needing time to cater to those emotions is not helpful. It's not something people want to hear. Like, hey, I need to... You know, I'm I'm so frustrated. I need to take care of this frustration. Then only I can do this work. People don't want to hear that. So, uh, but for me, that was the case. That's why for some work, it will take me longer. I would like just sacrifice my sleep because sometimes if I'm frustrated, then I would, I would need to go out, actually run for a few kilometers, come back feeling better and continue the work. So... I was going back and forth with, you know, trying to meet the demand, but then ending up 
being really burnt out. And when I say burnt out, it led me to having symptoms of depression where I could sleep for three whole days, just not wanting to do anything. And, but I know, I, I always tell myself, is that give yourself only three days, then get back up, then do something, go out, take a walk. So I would tell myself that. But I would still allow myself to, to, to feel, you know, if I'm not okay, allow myself to have that space. But again, life doesn't work that way. You don't have enough time to just give yourself that space to get back up again. And actually, at some point, I lost the will to live as well. I had that because I'm like, why do I need to keep on living this way? I work so hard. I do a lot. But I feel like things are still hard. And then I understood lah when I had uh, my my diagnosis. I understood. After the break, how Izzat discovered she had ADHD, and how the diagnosis made her think about her strengths and capabilities. This is because feelings matter. A series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. Stay tuned to Health and Living BFM eighty nine point nine. understood why I need to work very hard for something that might not be as difficult. I mean, I had different strength, but when I took my medication even, I was like, oh, so this is how it's like to have a silent mind, to not be distracted by the noise outside of you. Welcome back to Health and Living. I'm T. Shaoik, and this is Because Feelings Matter, a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. ADHD is one of the most common neurodevelopmental disorders of childhood. It is usually first diagnosed in childhood and often lasts into adulthood. Izzat Zaid was only diagnosed with ADHD three years ago at the age of 28. Increasingly, more adults like Izzat are seeking ADHD assessments as awareness of neurodivergence increases and people are looking at their lifelong challenges in a new light. The diagnosis story is, I think it's a way of God really helping me to figure myself because I've heard of ADHD Although I was in the clinical psychology field, but there were a lot of other disorders that we need to study. So we don't look very specific into each one. So when I was doing my practicum, which the practicum itself is something that actually I I wanted to give up on my study (laughs) at that time because it was so hard for me. Like I said, I feel like I was falling behind. I was doing okay with grades, but I was falling behind at other aspects. I was supposed to be reading. I was supposed to be learning, but I'm just there handling my emotion, handling this wild animal inside of me most of the time, which I feel frustrated. And it was during PKP in which my other coping strategies is not working and 
I was restless the whole day. Um, but it happened that one of uh, my earliest client came to me asking to have an adult ADHD assessment. Mm. So there I was trying to read more, learn more, learn to use the psychological tools for ADHD, learn to conduct the interview, um, doing the diagnosis. And while doing that, I was having all those insights like, hey, this sounds like me. I was watching the videos, I was reading the papers and, oh my God, <laughs> this is exactly what I'm going through. Uh, I didn't have a word for it, but then when I watched this video, like, oh, now I know I have emotional dysregulation. Mm-hmm. The, the difficulty in managing emotion was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I know that I am impulsive. I know I'm impulsive, but now I'm validated. Like, yeah, you're impulsive. Uh, and this is um, what happens when that trait is being challenged. Um, you know, being you need to have some break when you make decision. You cannot be impulsive all the time. So then I I started to understand myself, and I was I started to wonder like, if I have ADHD. Isa then sought a diagnosis from a psychiatrist. And with the news came a jumble of emotions. It's both something good and something bad. Good in a sense that I felt so relieved because I know people have been labelling me with, you know, uh, I, I get the word hyper a lot since school as well. Emotional was something that was given to me as well. Sensitive. Um, but with the diagnosis, I felt like it, it was... Yes, I am that. <laughs> and there's also other people like me. I think that's the part where I felt relief as well. Like, oh, so, you know, the statistics is 4 to 5% of adult. So there's a lot more people like me. So I'm not just, you know, this girl who has been, uh, people say, people use the word extraordinary lah. People use the word different. Um, But now I know why I'm different. Uh, That's the answer that I had. But at the same time, the part where it's heartbreaking is, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental condition, which means the possibility of living with ADHD is is there, right? You can manage it, but it's how the brain, your brain does work differently. At At that time, I felt like if I'm living in this world where, you know, the line of life is, from a neurotypical point of view, I'm going to be broken. I'm a broken part of that. Uh, that's that's how I thought. Like, I saw how I keep on doing mistakes, I keep on forgetting, I keep on, you know, struggling with the deadlines. Um, I was impulsive in class. <laughs> I was I sometimes in class I would actually cut off when people are saying something and I need to say something I'll just cut them off, and that as an adult is not the kind of behavior you want to see lah. Mm. 
even I've been I have conflicts with some of my classmates and I was very hurt when my classmate just up front told me, Hey Zat, come on, you're an adult. Don't be like this. I know what that meant. But uh I also can try to empathize with them <laughs> that you're you're dealing with this girl who is emotional, who's intense. And it's not easy for you to understand this person. So it's okay when you say it like that. I know, I know I'm supposed to act like an adult. But at the same time, I feel like how much control do I put on myself that I cannot just be me? Mm. Yeah, so it was both. I feel a sense of relief, but I also felt a sense that, ah, how do I live? <laughs> how do I live? Yeah. Izzat discovered that a diagnosis wasn't like a light switch, where all the answers would be revealed to her after she flipped it on. Even with ADHD medication from her psychiatrist, nothing seemed clear-cut. I discovered, I, I tell my friend this, I have two modes. I can be in the creative mode and being distracted and all, being, being so active. And I can have the neurotypical mode where I am much calmer. I can do my work longer. Uh, so when I take medication, that's how I felt. Uh, but the question in life, the big question in life is like, do I live a life relying on medication? Or do I find a life where my strengths, my my uniqueness is being search for. Taking medication wasn't the only thing that Izzat felt torn about. She also struggled constantly to fit in with the conventions and expectations placed on an adult working woman in our society, which often contradicted her need to explore creatively and intellectually stimulating experiences. Back in 2019, after resigning from her second job, Izzat spent a year in Taiwan to study languages. This was when she began to question some of her career and life choices. I was happier in Taiwan, uh, doing things that I like. But then when I go back to Malaysia, I realise how long am I going to live the life where I'm just following my passion, things that I like. Because as an adult, you need to settle down. I mean, you can live that life, but... First thing first, I'm married, so I cannot leave my husband. Actually, uh, I went to Taiwan without my husband. He was very supportive, but I also know it was difficult for him to live away from me. And then I have a family here in Malaysia. You know, we are we are a collectivistic culture. We The family value is strong, so it's not ideal to just live life freely or just go anywhere, although I know I can. You know, I can secure myself a scholarship. I can go here, find, even in Taiwan, I find my way to to generate money to support my livelihood there. So I know I can solve all these problems. But my problem is I don't live in that world. It's not realistic to live in a world of, if I wish, I can be a nomad. <laughs> I mean, for me, I can solve problems. I'm excited for new adventure. I like new things. I like those challenges. But what about the people around me? 
would it be easy for them? So that was the time when I feel, how do I, it, it feels like, how do I live this life not the way I want? So it's a question that I had <laughs> even until now. It sounds like you are a person torn. That is exactly feeling like being me is wrong. Although it comes with a lot of strength, a lot of... Um, I, I, I do see myself, I do see my value, but I just feel like it's hard for me to continue a life of settling down. That part of staying, uh, grounding myself to one place, I feel like it's so difficult. And even me, when I be in this, you know, I started working, I started trying to fit in the system. I was frustrated when all this, you know, with ADHD, you have this forgetfulness. Um, you know, I sometimes forget things in the office and I had to go back. Uh, sometimes, and even I, I, I lost my access card on the first day of work, which is like a really bad impression. <laughs> I don't know where the card went, but it just went missing from my hand. Um, you have all this impression that you're not doing a good job at, you know, mm-hmm. by having this forgetting, um, losing stuff. And then um, when you're easily distracted, you're not there sitting doing your work or you're missing deadlines. Sometimes I miss the date and I forget that I had a meeting which is all the behaviors that tells you you are not a reliable person. But I'm not that. I know I'm not that. I know I'm responsible. But it just happens that I, I think that that was the part of ADHD that I feel like, hey, I don't want this, but this is the thing that happens actually daily. Like forgetting things was something I would actually have Almost every day, I would go out of the house earlier because I know I would have to go back up and get something that I forget, which is something I don't want. I've tried to structure things. I've tried to put things together so that I don't forget. But at the end of the day, I'm like, ah, it just slipped my mind. And there I am, uh, this person who's, you know, you can't rely on this person. Lah. The, the kind of thought that I had. Lah. But step by step, the realizations came together. Her ADHD diagnosis helped her to understand why she was different and what strategies she could use to manage her challenges. When I had more understanding on myself, I think the first uh, part that made a big difference is when I started accepting myself. I'm like, okay, Zat, you're different. You think differently. You, you need stimulation. You need to be engaged. So I try to find strategies that that work for me. And right now, I think one of them is knowing that exercise, you know, it's beneficial for for anyone, but especially for ADHD. And I think looking back 
my at my life. You know, although being different, I don't show a lot of behavioral issues. I can still study. I can still be in a positive mood, you know, because I was like really an active person. So right now, on top of my priority is exercise. So if I had to choose work versus exercise, I'm sorry, work, you have to wait. Um, this is the time for me to, to play. So I started playing again a lot. So I started strategizing my life surrounding things that I know would help me thrive. And even in my career choice, uh, like I said, I choose, I still want to be uh, practicing what I am passionate, but at a rate where, you know, I have space for any other contingencies in life that requires me to just sit down and handle my emotions. So I have the space. Yeah. I'm not always needing to do something. Mm-hmm. I can attend to my struggles with ADHD. So I think, in a sense, I was um, being more kind to self. Izzat's different job stints helped her to discover how her traits, such as her need to be active and to find creative outlets and try new things, could be strengths instead of being seen as unprofessional behaviours. I discovered back my strength. I built my self-esteem and I realised that I need to find a place where my strength is needed and my things that are difficult for me, I might, you know, I some days I took medication to actually um, still help me commit to the work. But I feel like most of the time, I want to be myself. So, yeah, I think I set out after my work at the studio. I decided to work freelance as a clinical psychologist because mm-hmm. I still enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just that if I work full time, I might I, I foresee myself having to do all the reports until late night. So I think I limit myself, like taking two clients a day mm-hmm. max, something like that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I developed myself more into training. And right now, I think with my startup, I was hoping uh, what my vision is, that my life experience, my expertise can combine together and help other people also find their, uh, people with neurodiversity also find their own voice. Izzat is living as a neurodivergent person in a world largely made for neurotypicals. This means letting go of the preconceived notions about what kind of person you have to be or what kind of mould you have to fit into. A lot of time, I think, for neurodivergence, it's normal that we want to feel belong, we want to fit in, but at the cost of needing to put ourselves away aside masking ourselves so that you know people see you as part of them you know um, and even some suggestion maybe some people who who provide solutions to the problem is how this new people with neurodiversity could better fit in the society or the place that they need to be but through my own experience, what I do is not fitting in, rather to see myself 
from my own perspective, from my own worldview, and looking at where I can actually contribute or benefit the society, my own way. So it's like a rather than seeing things from outside in, like you're a deficit because you're not the same as those the majority. I take a different approach of looking at myself inside out. Like, hey, there's this unique person. Where is it that people would want me? <laughs> That's the question I have. Where is it? I know there is somewhere. Nonetheless, Izzat knows that what she has is a privilege. Knowing that there is a place for her in the world and setting boundaries for herself is not something that everyone is in a position to do. My story is one story and I am me because of the way I was brought up, uh, because of my life experience, because of the people around me. There was a lot of factor. But the thing that, you know, what motivates me to help also others with neurodiversity is because they might have a different story than me. They might grow up differently. I have the privilege of living in different setting that being different is not an issue. But I believe there are some out there who has always an outsider to the community, who's always been criticised because they are different. They're not following the norms. So there are many factors that may affect someone. And I think living with ADHD is already difficult as it is. Um, and it's even difficult if you don't find your place. It's even difficult if you grow up in a, you know, unfortunate environment. But whatever that happens in the past, you can always start at one point again. So that's what I believe. Whatever we decide today can change our future if we want. Even with the issues, emotional issues, or with the anxiety or fear of not fitting in, I kept telling myself, uh, I had this little note on my, on my table where I, I would write, if you cannot beat your fear, you just do it scared. <laughs> and that's what I do. This is Because Feelings Matter, a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. If you missed any part of the show or if you'd like to listen to previous podcasts, you can search for it on bfm.my or on our BFM app. You've been listening to Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.